Welcome back to the Titan Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, you may have seen her content on TikTok. She does advice for working adults and conflict management. She and her husband are... Sorry, she and her husband. <laughs> Why did I say husbands? Husband. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's standing right there. Sorry. He's standing right there. Come on, man. <laughs> she and her husband are also authors of this uh, best-selling book, Deep Human... Um, Practical super skills for a future of success. Wow. I can't wait yes. to dive into this and digest everything. But today is not about me. Today is about our guest, Crystal Lim Langer. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Okay, thank you, thank you. So you want to share with the audience like um, who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Crystal. I have had seven careers in my life. I studied law. I never practiced any of it because I became an investment banker. Um, I worked in IPOs, M&As, um, on the trading floor. I moved into equity sales. Um, and then I had kind of a quarter-life crisis. Uh, and I left Singapore and I bought a vineyard in Australia. So I was kind of a farmer for some time. <laughs> yeah, I said up some um, a business running uh, leadership retreats and personal growth retreats um, in far-flung places like Bhutan and uh, Indonesia and Vietnam and Australia. And then from then onwards, I moved from entrepreneur in personal growth to senior management in a local university in NUS. Um, and I was running the career center there, dealing with, with 3,000 employers and 38,000 students, um, and wow. really trying to get both sides to kind of see eye to eye in terms of the world of work. And then I left that in 2018. And for the past four years, I've run my own leadership consultancy, and I help some of the best companies in the world uh, with their work culture to make their workplaces and their people more engaged, happier, and more human centric. Wow, wow, super high achiever. Wow, Gosh. that's a lot of that's a lot. <laughs> of so you earn so much money that you're just like, oh yeah, I'll just go to Australia <laughs> and, and start thumb. a vineyard. I want to get cancelled, so I'm gonna be like, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, back back then in those days, I would say investment banking is also about timing. Yeah. Back in those days, like when I was on the trading floor, seriously, you just throw any dart at anything and like everything was like a triple or quadruple bagger like in those early years of crypto right mm -hmm. so sometimes a lot of life is also about timing right that's right. true that is true so are you waiting for like the next opening yeah yeah i think in, in but not now right it's not now mm, no? in, in in our life if we're lucky we have seven or eight chances to Ooh. kind of like you know ride the crest okay. it's like surfing you gotta catch the waves Oh, wow. 100%. Wow. Yeah. I'm just picturing her LinkedIn profile. I wish I did my research. She must have been so impressive. <laughs> you, you did it, right? Amanda. Yeah, I, I actually went through your LinkedIn profile. That's where oh. I got all like the information for like the introduction and whatnot. Wow. So she really has a very extensive career. Yeah. But today we are talking about leadership, work, work culture. culture. And in yes. fact, today is Deepa Valley. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and here we are working, talking about work-life balance. Hustling hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and to give some context, like uh, Amanda, myself, and how we are in the management team for Titan Digital Media. Mm -hmm. So I really hope I'm um, walking away from this today. I learned a lot from Crystal, like some tips, and I don't know. It's like we're giving a we're getting yeah, a free, free consultation. Yeah, <laughs> free course. Thank you, thank you. So um, in your TikTok content, okay, I, I've been scrolling through your content. I've I seen watched you, all of yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen you once or twice, but then prior to this podcast, I really dive deep into your content and uh, you mentioned a lot about toxic work culture mm -hmm. and boundaries in relationships mm -hmm. uh, in the work context I would say yes. so um, as a leadership expert uh, are these like like this toxic work culture is it a common issue you see in Singapore oh 
1000%. Um, I think one of the things that we really struggle with in Singapore is that uh, we have a very conflict avoidant culture that I talk a lot yes, about. Yes, you, you mentioned that on one of your TikToks as well. Yes. yes. And like, you know, actually somebody uh, just commented on my TikTok and said, how can we be conflict avoidant when every day I go to workplace and I gonna scolded by my boss? So I'm like, okay, dude, that's not a conflict. Was, on one side, you've got somebody being a bully. On the other side, you have somebody just sucking it up and accepting it and not asserting themselves. There's no conflict, right? A conflict is actually, the technical term for conflict is actually a productive exchange of diverse ideas and opinions. And, you know, we don't have that exchange of ideas and opinions in a workplace a lot because a lot of times um, people just don't have the language to talk about difficult issues or they don't have the courage or they don't feel safe, psychologically safe, actually bringing up these topics in the workplace. So what would make somebody feel safe to share ideas and have such conflicts okay, of so, ideas. Yeah, so psychological safety is a technical term for the feeling that it's okay in my workplace or in my, my environment to take a little risk. So let me ask you, what are some examples of risks that you could take in the workplace? Like little risks, like... That is a good question. What, what in a is meeting? In a meeting, what could you do, for example, that might be a little risk? Um, I would disagree with my boss. Yes, wonderful. D disagreeing with your boss, that's yeah. a risk. Or like unpopular opinion. That's right. So it's still challenging, pushing back, yeah, yeah. saying something different. Okay, there's four different categories of risks. Okay, and there's different four types of psychological safety. The first type is inclusion safety. That means, do I feel that it's safe to be me and reveal something personal about myself? Or will other people laugh at me and not make me feel included? So for example, if I share with you, hey, you know, I'm going through a divorce or, you know, actually I'm a mother or whatever it is, will people be like, hey, why are you talking about all this rubbish personal stuff? And, you know, um, and, and that's actually um, what we call a lack of inclusion safety. So that's the first level. Second level of psychological safety is learner safety. When you were in your workplace and you asked a question, did your boss say, wow, that's such a stupid question, waste everyone's time? Or did your boss say, wow, thanks for asking that question, Crystal. Everyone really benefited from that question. So those are the difference between a high uh, learner safety culture and a low learner safety culture. Why is learner safety important? Because for your 20-year-olds, uh, and your 30-year-olds, yeah. uh, when they leave a company, the number one reason why they leave, they will say, I wasn't learning, I wasn't growing, and you know, my, my, my boss wasn't coaching me. So it's a really important thing to understand that if your culture doesn't make it safe for people to learn, grow, develop, they will leave. Yeah, the third type of psychological safety is contributor safety, okay? So this means like when I actually contribute, did Yaya go and take credit for my work lah? Or Tianhao say like, oh, this was rubbish and actually amended it all the work or whatever. So contributor safety is the feeling that when I contribute at work, I'm going to be rewarded fairly for my contributions and people actually know me and see me in my strengths and my skills. Why is this important? When you're older people like me, 30s and 40s, we leave a company. Normally, it's because we are upset with the lack of contributor safety. We feel I wasn't being seen for my strengths or I wasn't being rewarded fairly as opposed to my other colleagues. 
Now we come to the last part of psychological safety, and that is challenger safety. That is the feeling that at work I can speak up, push back, tell my boss, "No, I don't want to work on weekends. I don't want to come here on Deepa Valley do podcast." Okay, <laughs> 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 that no does shade. not exist here. No shade, no shade intended. <laughs> you know, but、um, challenger safety is that feeling that it's okay for me to disagree and push back with authority. That's the hardest level. But yet, for many many industries, if we don't have challenger safety, Safety, you will not have high performance in your workplace, and in many times, the lack of psychological safety actually creates fatalities in many extreme cases. Give you an example, like many of the airline crashes. I know if you guys remember, like Korean airlines yes, had yes, a lot、yes. of crashes, right? When they go and trace back the black box and they play back what happened, they found out that actually the younger pilot oftentimes knew that the older pilot was doing something wrong, but because in their culture there's this thing about not hierarchy, yeah, hierarchy, right? There's always rest. Respect, especially in Korean culture, especially elders, you know, in Korean culture, and they found out that you know the lack of psychological safety or the lack of internal permission that the guy feels I don't have permission to speak up made him actually in several cases the pilots just not share important information because they were too fearful internally, and it led to three hundred people on the crane. Uh, on a on a plane, dying because they they flew in the side of a mountain just because one person felt that it was too uncomfortable for them to speak up. So I mean, like I see this every day at work. My companies, manufacturing companies, biopharma companies,、uh, you know, aviation companies. They call me and say, Crystal, we had a workplace accident. We had some fatalities. We had solvent spill. We have explosion in the plant. And when we trace back, a lot of times it's because people didn't feel safe to speak up. And point out the mistakes that were going on, or the stuff that was not right in the environment. So that's why a lack of psychological safety, or this conflict avoidance, especially in Singapore, makes it actually quite a dangerous place to work in. Ironically, because.、Right. You know, we have this phenomenon called artificial harmony. You know what artificial harmony is? Artificial harmony is a phenomenon where the real meeting doesn't happen in the meeting. Okay, the real meeting happens offline. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 in the meeting, and then everyone goes off, and then everyone's like, what's happening? Wow, can you believe that? Oh, I did disagree with this and everything. So you like know, like the discussion only happens after the discussion, the main discussion. That's right. The real、okay. meeting happens outside of the meeting room. People don't surface their real opinions. People hold back their ideas. These are all symptoms. Of artificial harmony, where we have this sort of like papering over the cracks, and then oftentimes、um, one of the most popular,、um, you know, problems that managers in Singapore face is that they say to me, "Hey, I didn't even know this." Whoever Jian Hao was unhappy until the resignation letter came, and then I said to him like, "Hey, how come you never gave me feedback that you were burned out or unhappy or whatever?" And like, "Oh no, you know, I didn't know how to. A bit awkward lah. I don't know、yeah. how to have that conversation. So I just, you know, go and quietly look around for a job rather than just have one conversation with your boss to tell them what's really going on." And I think it's really, really unproductive, lah. It is. It is. Yeah. So, so would you say this is the biggest problem that you see in most Singaporean companies? This conflict avoidance. I would say,、um, okay, a number of things.、Um, firstly, we would we have lack of empathy. Yeah. I think lack of empathy is a. 
big one where um, it could be a, a situation where it's between generations. Oftentimes we have like older people in the workforce be like, oh, you know, during my time, uh, you know, uh, it was very hard, you know, we don't have even MRT uh, and all this and all you guys complaining. And, and then the younger generation is like, oh, you just, you boomers don't get it all and all of this, right? And the moment we have this lack of empathy and people are not listening, it, in psychology, we call this effect outgrouping. Outgrouping means they're not part of my in-group. It's like you're 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 out you're out group and I just actually on a physical level if we could measure how much your brain your mirror neuron system responds to uh, someone in your out group getting hurt or getting impacted, we actually feel less pain for people who are in our out group than people in the in group. They did this famous experiment where they showed people six hands on a computer screen, black and white, six hands, and then there were like there was a big needle coming and injecting randomly one of these hands. And what happened is that the person watching this video, would, when they saw the needle puncturing the flesh, they would register a big spike in their pain matrix. Because when we see something painful, like in football, somebody getting their leg yeah. broken, yeah, you feel pain, it activates your pain matrix. Now here's the interesting thing. In the next phase of the experiment, they actually labeled the six hands, like Jewish, Christian, Hindu, Scientologist, okay. whatever. And then the, the needle comes and randomly stabs the hand. And they analyzed the results and the trend was clear. When you see somebody of your own in-group getting stabbed, your pain matrix activates. But when you see someone in your out group get stabbed, it's essentially a flat line. Ooh. It's like you don't even care Sorry. at a biological level. And this whole phenomenon of in the workplace, we're dealing with many different, different kinds of people, different races, different generations. We've never had so many generations in the workforce in the history of humanity. We have four generations in the workforce today, you know? That's insane. And on a biological level, humans are not bred to go towards many different diverse kinds of people and say, well, you know, let's be friends. Because for many centuries and millennia, right, how we as humans keep ourselves safe is that we immediately see somebody that comes in the room. And, and we, we make our own group. Yeah, okay. like you're my tribe, you're not my tribe. And chances are for thousands of years, you're going to see somebody like, let's say I'm walking in the forest, I'm a small Chinese girl. Uh, then I see, you know, like my husband, a big, white guy, hairy white guy walking in the, in the sorry, I agree, uh, in, in the forest. And you know, the, my first instinct would be like, this guy is probably going to like kill my tribe, infect me with COVID-001 or don't know what, right? And it's not going to be safe for me. So for many, many centuries, our inbuilt survival mechanism is actually to very instinctively in-group and go and stick to people like ourselves. So in today's modern world where we're dealing with so many different kinds of people, globalized societies, you know, different age groups and everything, you're actually asking somebody to do something deeply unnatural. So that means we have to intentionally, consciously, all the time, try to establish this empathy with other people because it's not something that's natural for us when we're dealing with people not like us right so that so the, wow that's a, that's a lot that's to a digest lot. <laughs> sorry wow. it's a bit okay. dense so to solve the problem of this conflict avoidance what you would suggest would be i mean by theory would be to just have different in groups of all the different generations 
hanging out together? No, I would say it takes both hands to clap. Okay, so if we want to have a less conflict avoidance society, it's not. It's both sides. Firstly, in the individual level, right? The individual has to have a little bit more courage to advocate for themselves, to stand up for what they believe in, and to be more comfortable speaking their truth. But on the other hand, they also need an environment that's that's not going to punish them or penalize them when they do speak their truth. So that means on the employer. Side on the workplace side, they have to do do their bit in terms of having good leaders who are able to uh, really be open minded, be good listeners, trust their staff, and not micromanage their staff. Uh, listen to understand and not to criticize and to audit at the first instance. Where do, where do you draw the line between trusting somebody and micromanaging them? Okay, this is really interesting because I coach a lot of people, right? Yeah. Like half the people I coach will tell me, oh, you know, my boss uh, is a micromanager. He's constantly breathing down my, de- my neck all the time. And then the other half will tell me, you know, my boss is ghosting me. I never see this bugger, you know, I never see this person all, a- at all. So like it really depends. Like different people have different needs in terms of how much guidance they want. Like I am very like rebellious and I like my independence. So I actually really do not like being micromanaged. But there's other people in my workplace who really want that attention, who really want that guidance, that mentoring and everything. So I think what's really important is for um, both the manager and the employee to be able to have the sensible check-in conversation. Like every few weeks, right, to be able to, the manager to say something like, hey, do you need more guidance from me? with your work or would you actually like me to give you a little less guidance and you know because you're feeling a little micromanaged like which is it you know and then those that way we can calibrate and the same person might have different needs maybe at the start of your job you need a little bit more and then after a while it's getting annoying so you're like okay do it you can back off i don't need the you know hand holding anymore right right so the manager has to do that <laughs> Every week, sit them down. Yeah, because we, I mean, we, we, we noticed this, like, uh, as the company got bigger, especially recently, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're at like 40 to 50 people already. Uh, and then we yeah. realized that, man, like, there was even a period of time, I think some, we, we had like seven people come in all at once. Mm-hmm. And like for a month, <clears throat> people in the same company don't even know each other's names. Yeah. And we are in the same room. Yes. So to me, that was like, mind-boggling i'm like yo yeah. this cannot happen so yeah. i just like put everybody together right? i say you do you know what's her name don't know <gasps> you what's her name don't know and yeah. it's like the room is it's not 20 that big. meters yeah, yeah, yeah it's not that big 20 meters and you have to pass through each other to go to the toilet yeah. how can you not even know each yeah. other's name that's a level one issue that's inclusion issue. inclusion safety remember i was talking about right. inclusion safety when you turn up at work do you feel like you look around like wow this is these are my people this yeah. is my tribe I'm, i really really feel a sense of belonging or do you feel like oh, i don't know who these people are like aliens from outer space right <laughs> that's a like <clears throat> inclusion safety is that basic understanding that my fellow you know, colleagues, they are more than just a task 
they are more than just a function. They're actually a human being. And I find that in work, in we have this spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, we have task focus, okay? And then at the other end of the spectrum, we have relationship focus. And it tends to be in Singapore, we are very much towards task focus. We are very transactional in our relationships at work. So only come and look for you, yeah, yeah, when I want something from you. Yeah, Amanda, only come and, you know, talk to you when I need something. Otherwise, you know, I, I, I don't bother. And that's when everything becomes so transactional transactional, you're not a team. You're just a collection of freelancers working for the highest bidder. That's not a team. A team is an environment where people care and know each other as human beings, have a sense of bonding, they have a sense of being united by a common purpose, a common mission, and they understand what are the core values that unite this team. So uh, I think one thing really, really important for your team is you know, firstly, of course, get to know each other as human beings and ask them, for example, what's the biggest misconception that people have about you? I love this question. It's so simple. What do you guys think? What's the biggest misconception people have about you? Like, I think recently, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> recently, I think we approached an intern and mm -hmm. asked her like, um, what are some misconceptions and who are you most afraid of? Yeah. Just as a, as a, as a light-hearted conversation. Yes. And I was one of the persons she was most afraid of. Yeah. And I think it's because of the face, I don't know. Or because I don't really talk much yeah. to people. Yeah. So that kind of like broke some ice. And from then on, I guess we, we could speak on a different level and not just transactional like what you mentioned. That's a perfect yeah. example of how to improve level one inclusion safety mm -hmm. because you are actually, you know, um, through that example, it's like when we come into the workplace, nobody, we don't come with a manual that says, hey, here's how you operate me. Here's how you get the best out of me. Here's how I want to be communicated to, right? And then we form different assumptions like, wow, this person looks so fierce. This year, how I was walking around must be too busy to talk to me or whatever. We form all these assumptions and if we don't actually just take that what 30 seconds 30 seconds to ask somebody hey you know you know what's the biggest misconception people mm -hmm. have about you and then I might share like hey people always think that I'm an extrovert but actually I'm an introvert and why I'm sharing that with you is because if you see me you know walking around the canteen here looking down don't think I'm very lonely you must come over and talk to me actually I'm just re recharging my energy okay that was like 60 seconds but in that 60 seconds you just kind of broke the ice and you just got somebody to understand more about the, your outsides mm. versus your insides. And that kind of, that deeper peeling the onion, that kind of like getting underneath the surface is really something like team intimacy in every relationship, right. whether it's work or, you know, you got to kind of like get beyond the surface. I, I always found it easier to manage a smaller team. Mm. Because back when we had like 10 people, we really felt um, close. We knew each yeah. other's personal life. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. We know the ins and outs of their life. We follow them on social media. We're, we're literally friends outside, you know. Yep. 10 of us work, 10 of us go watch a movie together mm -hmm. after 10 of us party together. Yeah. But as the team gets bigger from 10 to 20 mm -hmm. to 40 people, mm -hmm. at 40, it's just impossible to get to know yep. each other. And I mean, from my perspective as a boss, right? Like, sometimes I don't even know uh, how far I want to go in the relationship of getting to know someone. Yep. For example, um, when I know, okay, like this batch of interns, they mm -hmm. are going to, they are going to leave in six months. Mm -hmm. So where would you draw the line between um, the boundaries of getting to know each other? Because when a group of people are put together, right, and they bond together, mm -hmm. eventually uh, they will get very personal 
with each other. And then that mm-hmm. means having uh, relationships outside of work, mm-hmm. friendships. And what I realized was that we once had a team of, initially they started as two people and then they got to four and then nine. And at nine people, they were as productive as they were when they were two because they sort of became a friendship group. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. there was a little bit of friendship issues, which there always is when there's a group of people put together, um, they became extremely unproductive. Yes. And then they would start saying things like, uh, you know, why do you need to know about my work life? I, I mean, my outside life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, a company is not family, which is uh, a very yeah. common saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is, uh, we, we are not a family. We're just colleagues. So why must we have this relationship outside? But they are the ones who created it. So where, where do you draw the line? For this yeah it's really interesting what i actually just told, did a whole like linkedin tiktok thing about like your company is not your family yes ultimately i know it's a community yes <laughs> we have the answers for that yes uh okay but like generally when you are a boss when you are running a team i always think it's easier to like general to say no 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 and be a uh you know a first and then gradually share more and more rather than overshare and say yes 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 and be mr or mrs nice person in the beginning and then it's very very hard to go back go back from that because you contaminated that whole relationship i think in the spectrum between like at one end of the spectrum is like purely transactional purely professional again we're talking about the task relationship spectrum right of course yeah so at one end of the spectrum purely task is also not good you know what I mean? Somebody who's just like a taskmaster, it comes in and just like sees everyone like a widget, right? But then on the other hand, you go too much into relationship, it's like, ah, oh, Amanda, how are you? How's your boyfriend? Let's talk about, let's talk out for like like 20 minutes, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then like, how about this? And then whatever, share with And then it becomes unproductive because they go to work looking forward to have these type yeah. of com- heart-to-heart conversations. Yeah, yeah. And then every day becomes very dramatic. That's right. So I think it's, you know, between the task and the relationship, you got to keep somewhere just left of the center so okay so just, just towards more the towards the professional okay. end than towards the family uh, yeah. relationship focused end but it definitely needs a healthy i would say 45 percent mix of like you know caring for people but with professional boundaries would you say um, it varies based on industry yes i would say so for example an f and f and b like a restaurant, you yeah. do not really need to be family, right? Or mm. you do not really need to have a community. It's more task-based. Or like working in a factory production. Yeah, so many, uh, there's a definite interesting cultural overlay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your sector is particularly difficult because yes. there are certain sectors, I call them almost like, war zone sectors are we in the war zone sector sector, are we safe are we safe (laughs) yeah i mean there are certain sectors like investment banking which i was in you're working like you know non-stop 24 7 overnight you're doing like mid all-nighters and everything and just like in your industry and fmb for example it's like really really tough conditions and people like really bond very intensely through this i think in a way shared trauma Mm. of going through these really like you go through difficulties together yeah it's like the army right it's like so bonded and everything but like on one hand you got to be very careful because while that relationship is very intense it can also cross many boundaries and like really cause problems with professionalism and then i always say there's these two things there's authenticity 
and then there's being a professional. And sometimes I feel like the people are very confused. They're like, oh, we should be authentic in the workplace and like leaders should be authentic. And that's that's not 100% true. If we are all 100% authentic in the workplace, like, okay, we like to come, we don't like to come, we don't like your face, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> la. Or you said something that pissed me off, I nurse a grudge. La. It's not about authenticity. There is an element of I need to bring myself to work and stand up for what I believe in. However, Ultimately, at work, you're being paid. You're a professional. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it, there are minimum standards of hygiene that we sign up to do. And when we sign that employment contract, the moment we sign it, it's saying that, yes, I will play by your rules, employer, in exchange for job security and a fair wage. That's the way it is. That's the primary contract. Yeah? I see, I see. So, like, work is work. Work, <coughs> work means you keeping your share of the bargain and mm. being a professional. Yeah, you want you don't want your boss to pay you late, right? You don't want your boss to like you know one month pay you, next month you know be sloppy about it and like you know uh, sometimes give you insurance, sometimes give you benefits, sometimes don't, right? So the same you want that sort of consistency from your employer. So you as the employee you have, have to, to deliver the same amount of professionalism as you would expect of your employer. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we come to the end of the first part of our podcast. Do make sure you watch the next episode where we're going to talk about quiet quitting with our expert, Crystal. Oh. Can't wait, can't wait. See you.